It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. I've got a very special guest to break down the film this week. Former member of the New York Jets, also former member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so he does two different podcasts, one of them breaking down the Jets each week and one of them breaking down the Tampa Bay Bucks for the Jets. It's flight plan for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's walking the plank. First round pick in the year 2000, Mr. Anthony Becht, tight end out of West Virginia. Anthony, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem, Scott. Yeah, good to be on, man. It's always good to uh, jump on some of these uh, podcasts, uh, you know, for for the teams and stuff like that. So um, excited to be on with you guys. Anthony, I'm about to make both of us feel old, but I was in attendance when you got drafted by the Jets in the year 2000. Tell you something, if the Jets could have a draft like that again, they might be on the right track because they got you, Chad Pennington, Sean Ellis, John Abraham, Lavernius Coles all in the same draft that's as much of a home run draft as you can possibly have yeah I mean think about that I mean if you look over the the course of time you know just that draft class and just you know to now I mean how, how many teams have gotten it right like that you know it's uh, it was unbelievable all of us played double digits uh careers as far as years are concerned uh most of us did miss a game uh, while we're in the NFL, I mean, you're talking about just a, a tremendous class. And, you know, look, Lavernius would have been a first-round pick, you know, coming out of college if he didn't have mm-hmm. some of those things going on. And he obviously turned out to be a fantastic receiver. So, uh, yeah, just just awesome, man. All of us, you know, really, we all added something to the Jets when we were there. And, you know, it would have been nice if we could all stay, but unfortunately, you know how that works. But mm-hmm. uh, it was definitely, uh, definitely an accomplishment to see all those guys, uh, you know, go through their careers and do great things. No question. And that helped set up the core of the Jets for the next bunch of years, which is what everybody is hoping Joe Douglas can do now that he's here. What's unfortunate right now, though, is that Sam Darnold is struggling mightily. And Chad Pennington, who you played with, who you were drafted with, he sat out for a couple of years. But then when he came in in 2002, right away, he started to catch on and had a fantastic year, then went on to a pretty good career. But he never really struggled the way that Sam Darnold has. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen when you've watched the film on Darnold. And do you think that the fact that Pennington had sat behind Testaverde made it a different discussion with somebody like Chad Pennington than Sam Darnold, who was shoved in right away? Well, you know, listen, uh, it's a different time. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have the luxuries of, you know, having those options. I mean, you know, when you draft quarterbacks high, uh, you you expect they expect to be played and they, they need to be, you know, to be expected to go out there and 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 try to fit in quickly with the team. And then when you're a top five pick, uh, you know, that that's just how it works. Um, 
you know, I, I think Sam has taken the necessary steps to improve himself every year. Uh, you know, the one thing about Sam that you like is, you know, he, his ability to create things break down. Uh, you love the fact that he's mobile enough to, to make plays with his feet in and outside the pocket. And also, you know, again, just you saw the run that he had against the Broncos. He's got the capabilities of doing that as well. And I think that should be something that should be a little more heightened in his game because uh, it's tough to, to, to defend a quarterback that, that can do or present those problems. You know, I, I would say in this season in particular, uh, you know, I would have loved to see Sam and his entire uh, weapons to his disposal. I mean, it's, it's tough to go out there and work a week of practice with uh, guys that really shouldn't be playing uh, the starting roles for the Jets. And then, you know, then it changes the next week and the next week. And then you get your guy back. I mean, the one guy that, he, that he's done great with and it continues to show week in and week out when they're together is Jamison Crowder. And that's, you know, because he's a true one and that's the guy he leans on. He's got the most work with and it makes sense. You know, but when you don't have, you know, an off season and you bring in a Brashad Perryman, I mean, think about it. If you're Joe Douglas and and when you're thinking about the um, you know free agency process, you know, with the whole pandemic, I mean, if you didn't, if you knew that you were going to be practicing till August with anybody, you probably would have gave a little more leeway of potentially bringing Robbie Anderson back because of that. But you know, look. Uh, uh, Brashad Perryman's a, an equally gifted receiver who had a nice little spurt down here in Tampa last year, but he hasn't been on the field. I mean, he's, he's been nicked up. He's been banged up. They haven't been able to have the work. So you lose that productive, uh, productive, productive player out there. And again, that's, that's tough for a quarterback because you got him a weapon, but they can't put the work in. And then you look at a guy uh, on the other side uh, that you drafted, Denzel Mims. I mean, I don't know if Denzel Mims has even practiced yet you know, with the team. I mean, you know, you're trying to, you know, you draft a kid. I loved Mims. I thought he should have been a first-round pick for somebody. But, you know, he's not on the field. So not only you're not getting reps in practice, you're not getting live reps. He's not getting live reps. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of been a, a weird season. And now, is that an excuse? No. But one thing you don't want to have is you don't, you don't want to have drawback or setback with Sam. You don't want to see him doing things that he normally wouldn't do. And, and that's kind of the things that have kind of shown up the last couple games when he played was forcing things, trying to develop and create big plays instead of letting big plays come to him within the, fr the framework of the play. So, uh, you know, the one thing you hope is that he doesn't develop habits that, uh, you know, in, in the sense of those poor decisions that they carry out and carry on. And that's the biggest thing. I think a, a break – was good for him right now, you know, having the injury and nobody wants to be hurt. Nobody wants to be off the field, but just take a step back. You know, other guys are starting to get healthy, get some of your weapons back and, and be quite frankly, I wouldn't play them until I had most of those guys back. I mean, that is just such a crucial way to really, uh, you know, get a true determination of where his growth level is and what he's doing because it's been a makeshift offense. I mean, you know, you're not running the playbook to the fullest. You're, you're kind of trying to cater to the, the the pros and the cons of the guys that are on the field. And, and that's just a tough deal. And I'm not sticking up for Gase. I mean, Gase has got to find a way to uh, accommodate those things and, and make the best of it. I mean, that's what coach does. They have to adapt. They have to change. They have to do things to make it work so the team's competitive and the team comes out and fights hard and, and does all the little things differently so that they can have, you know, some ability to be in a game in the fourth quarter. So, 
you know, it's a full circle deal, man. And you know, as well as anybody else, it's, it's a win lose business. And you know, if things get bad, you're in New York city and it continues to go the way it is. Everybody's going to be evaluated each person, each coach, uh, all the way from the bottom to the top. And, and uh, you know, so you got to try to find a way to put some real good football play on the field. I'm not necessarily concerned about wins this year, but if there's good play, guys are going and, and, and things are getting executed, it should translate on the field. But right now, I don't see a lot of that because of all those factors. It's tough to evaluate Sam Darnold so far for a lot of the reasons that you just said. But the problem is a lot of decisions are coming up for the Jets. They have to decide whether or not to pick up Sam Darnold's fifth-year option. Pretty soon they're going to have to decide whether or not to sign him to a contract extension. Have you seen enough to be confident with Sam Darnold going forward? As you said, put more weapons around him, build around him. At this point, do you believe in him enough that you think that's the proper course of action? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of talk, a hearsay talk about, you know, what happens if the Jets had the number one pick and Trevor Lawrence is available? What do you do? Do you keep, do you keep Sam? Do you, listen, you know, Trevor Lawrence is playing with some of the best players available to him in college football. Like the top, you know, 2% of the, the, of the players that start on that field are at, you know, some of the best in the country. Um, you know, if you put Trevor Lawrence in a system, I'll uh, – you know, Joe Burrow, and they're going to have some some frustrating times. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you know, you do see a lot of success with some some quarterbacks, some rookie guys like Justin Herbert. You know, he's done a fantastic job, but he's got, you know, he's got some real weapon throw to. I mean, Keenan Allen's a real weapon. Hunter Henry's a real weapon. Austin Eckler's a real e- a weapon. Uh, Mike Williams, you see him. I mean, the guy's jumping up over three DBs and pulling down the ball. I mean, you don't have those guys. So, if I'm the guy and I'm the GM and that's the way it works out, absolutely, I'm going to keep Sam. I'm going to keep Sam. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy and I'm going to draft as many skilled position players as I can this year. That should be the plan, obviously, and you're going to enhance your defense a bit. Or, you know, and, and you try to make a blockbuster trade with that pick, at whatever it may be, and you try to load up there. So, you know, they need bodies. They need really good bodies, skilled bodies. And I think if you put that talent around – uh, around Sam, uh, I think, listen, I think it's it's a no-brainer, man. I, th- I think he keeps Sam, and, and he will be a guy that can flourish and, and uh, if he has the pieces around him. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Anthony, you were a heck of a blocker during your day, so you know what good blocking looks like. Talk to me a little bit about this offensive line. First and foremost, the big man, Mekhi Becton, the number 11 pick in the 2020 draft. What have you thought of him so far? Are you all in on him? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, you know, he. I had him rated my second best tackle coming out of the draft of the four that were all top picks. Um, you know, it was him and Wirfs had the biggest upside, and then the other two guys were kind of good. But I just felt like there was even more to grow with Becton and a guy like Wirfs, who I thought all around was the most prepared and ready to jump in. Um, yeah, I mean, he's dominated. I mean, you know, he's been a guy that's, uh, you know, not only been the best rookie tackle, but he's also been one of the best tackles in in, in the NFL week to week. And, uh, you know, look, when I turned the tape on even this week when he wasn't playing, I, I thought that the offensive line came off the ball in the run game and, and blocked up the Cardinals pretty well. Um, you know, uh, are they a much better line with Beckton in the lineup? Of course they are. I mean, you know, I would rather see Fant on the right side. I and mean, you played the left. And, you, you know, that's not an easy deal. But, you know, he's a veteran guy. Put a dog on the right, kind of try to clean things up. But, 
you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a instant success with those things. Guys are playing particular positions. That's what they do. And, and listen, you know, again, that's the, you put those pieces together. You didn't have an off season with these guys. You didn't get to establish, you know, a lot of that stuff before training camp. You got a brand new offensive line. I mean, just because you got all these experienced linemen, you just place them in place and you just start, you don't just start winning. Like you don't start blocking everybody up perfectly. And there's, there's a routine. There's a in concert play. All of them have to be in. And that takes reps and reps and reps. And you can only get so much in training camp and you're, and you don't have a lot of physical practices and, and uh, you know, you don't have that extra work. So it's just, it's a challenge, man. And it's not an excuse. It's just a real thing. I mean, it is what it is, but when they're all healthy and they're all out there, man, my biggest thing has been telling is like, I want to see the team that's complete. I want to see the team that was supposed to start week all healthy and let's see what happens. And I had, I had a lot of uh, buzz and, and good feelings about those players. But, you know, heck, I mean, you know, you got receivers with hamstring issues across the league. I mean, teams are just getting buried right now, and they're not winning games. You know, 49ers got a nice win against uh, the Giants, but it was the Giants, and it showed after that they couldn't beat anybody. So it's, it's, it's truly, uh, truly going to be, a, you know, an uphill battle for the Jets until everybody's out there. And even when they are, okay, then you got to talk about, you know, building the relationship and, and the reps together and all those things. And that's only going to take time as well. I mean, so you're really behind the eight ball. If you, if you could have came into the season with the pandemic and had everybody healthy, that would have been a nice bonus for you because that's what everybody was banking on throughout the NFL. But then when you have guys that get hurt when they come back and they're not available and they're key components, you know, that, that you have start creating problems. So, um, you know, and listen, when the Jets go on the field, regardless of who's playing, you have to find ways to execute. When it's there and they're giving it to you, you have to be able to make the play. Uh, and that, you know, really doesn't matter who you are. You know, if it's, it's a catch, if it's a block, if it's a hitting the proper hole. I mean, you turn the film on in any game and you can look at every play and say, well, this guy did this thing right and this guy did and then it's there. So, um, and you know, you just don't have the players to make the explosive plays that you want right now that you're looking to make about four to five times a game. They're just not on the field. Anthony, you mentioned the importance of chemistry and back in 2018, Christopher Herndon seemed to have some nice chemistry with Sam Darnold. They were both rookies last year. He was hurt. He was suspended. So Herndon didn't do anything. And now this year he has struggled immensely as a former tight end. I wanted to get your take on what you're seeing when you look at the tape. Where is Herndon going wrong? We're seeing the drops, but what else is going on there? We also have Ryan Griffin, who did pretty well last year with Herndon out. He hasn't really done much. And then Trevon Wesco, who a lot of people compare to you simply because you're both really good blockers coming out of West Virginia. He hasn't done much other than that one-yard run that got stuffed this past week against Arizona. What are you seeing from these tight ends so far? Not much. <laughs> I mean, you know, Chris Herndon, this is a critical year for him. You know, your third year is the year you should be peaking. Um, and he's just in a funk right now. I'm not quite sure what it is. You know, he looks good on some plays and then, you know, we'll have that, that kind of that episode where he had that drop pass. And, uh, you know, I still think he's a talented player. The one thing about Chris is that I think you need the other guys on the field around him for him to be a successful guy. Um, you know, if you ask him to be the true guy, I think that that may not be, uh, you know, his, his type of, you know, his cup of tea right now. Um, as far as Brian Griffin, I, I'm a little bit fuddled on him. I don't know if he's he's injured or, you know, he's just not quite the same guy. 
Um, but, you know, you, you think from a size standpoint and some of the things he did at the end of the year, there's a reason why they resubbed him. Uh, so I, I feel like there's something there that's not that's just not right with 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 Ryan right now, and um, and then with Wesco, look, I mean, you know, you're trying to find a role for him. You know, to me, he's he's the he's the uh, that that movable piece. I mean, you know, he, he's an outstanding blocker. Uh, you know, two tight end sets. He should be the other tight end. He can he can run intermediate routes. Put him in the backfield occasionally. I don't know if I'd hand off to him. I don't know if that's the best option for him, but. Um, you know, you just you have a couple there that at your disposal that can help the team, but it just for, for whatever reason it doesn't click. It's never really clean with those guys. And you know, as far as Herndon, I'm just waiting. You know, and, and unfortunately, you know, in this business, you know, teams aren't going to wait that long, especially uh, you know, new people that hadn't drafted you. So, um, you know, I, I still I still believe in Chris and his ability, and I think that he would benefit having the full gamut of, uh, you know, starting players on the field with him. But, again, from a concentration standpoint, he's got to raise the bar a little bit and uh, because he can be effective. He is a mismatch problem. But, you know, I haven't seen him take a game or attack a game, you know, for four yet. And, you know, I don't know if that's a problem or, you know, you know everybody's just waiting. So we'll see how it happens and, and see how it plays out. But, you know, he's got a chance to catch fire here. You know, I think – from Flacco's point, as he continues to be the guy, you know, he can continue to feed guys he can count on. And, you know, when you go out there and you drop a ball in a key situation, even though he had a couple catches in the game, I still think that that could be a, an opportunity for him. So, uh, you know, we'll see how he bounces back this week and, and moving forward in the season. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, he pays dividends here at some point. So that at the end of the year, you feel real good about his future. Anthony, on the defensive side of the ball, we're seeing very little pressure. We're seeing poor tackling, no discipline, tons of penalties, and poor coverage. What is going on with this unit? Last year, they were pretty respectable. This year, they're one of the worst in the league. Yeah, you know, it, it's 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 kind of been uh, you know kind of a befuddling to me myself. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to imagine that you know with basically the same lineup um, that you don't have the consistency. Um, but listen, I mean, Jamal Adams, obviously not being here. I mean, I don't know if you replace him. You're trying to with, with, with Marcus May, who can do a lot of those things. You know, for Jamal to be successful, it was nice to have a guy like Marcus May on the other side and, and things of that nature. So it's like it's, it's addition by subtraction, but it's not equal. Um, you know, Jordan Jenkins, Henry Anderson, Steve McClendon. I, I, you know, Henry's been kind of okay. You know, I'm – he hasn't really made the, you know, you're, he, you know, he usually just shows up once or twice a game. And you're just like, that's a good play. Henry's here. He's good. But I haven't called his name out in a while. You know, he just really hasn't been a guy that's been really effective. You know, Jordan Jenkins, uh, you know, guy's an excellent run stopper, you know, just just can't quite, you know, get the four down guys to really get the, get the, the pressure you're looking for. So you can be creative uh, on defense, um, you know, from the secondary standpoint, uh, you know, I, I like the way May's playing. McDougal's kind of been okay. You know, you're working Davis in now. Bless Austin. I mean, he's got a, a lot of upside, a lot of potential. You know, Pierre Desir got got himself in some funky positions in the last couple of weeks, and then he comes off and he shows you. You know, he can be a really a good player. You know, it's it's just more about consistency, Scott. It's about, you know, these guys coming out and doing it a little more consistent week in and week out. Uh, you know, Williamson back, Hewitt. You know. 
you'd expect a consistent product there just because at least from Hewitt, because he started all last season. And then with Avery back, he's working his way back to, you know, the form that we, we, we want or expect to see him. So, um, you know, Quinn Williams has had a, a quietly had a nice year. Uh, you know, I, I think he's been a much better play to play guy, a lot more effort. Um, you know, he's been a pretty good pass rusher when, you know, they allow him to kind of do his thing instead of just asking him to just, okay, this is where you're going. That's your gap. Like I think when they let him kind of go a little bit, uh, you know, he's, he's been close. I mean, he's gotten there several times, but he's, he's, he gets closer now. And I think that's a good thing and a positive thing because, you know, he's the guy that has to be, uh, the piece that really clicks, but, you know, look, I mean, uh, I think more pieces need to be added. You know, Jordan, uh, Jordan Willis was coming along and he got injured. Um, it's just been a weird year, man. I feel bad because I was excited about the season. And then, you know, and then news comes, you, you know, Jamal Adams gets traded and then, uh, you know, Mosley uh, opts out. I mean, you're just like, damn, you know, you're, you just kind of eliminate these kind of kind of things and you're, you know, you, you want them to work and you want it to, you know, be there long term. But, you know, in circumstances like Jamal, you couldn't make it work. I mean, it's just the guy was just, you know, becoming a bad apple for some reason. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what, why in his mind, why he just wanted out. I mean, clearly, you know, he just, you know, maybe it was a winning thing or he wasn't ready for the rebuild, but it's disappointing, you know, that you couldn't keep him around. But, um, you know, I think from the defensive standpoint, it's just, you know, they're just not playing smart ball right now. And I don't know if Greg Williams feels the accountability position to position to do a little more things that he wants to do. And for that reason, um, you know, maybe you're not seeing as much as, you know, from a game to game standpoint. With Quinn and Williams last year, it seemed like he was stunting and two gapping a lot because they had poor inside linebacker play. And I suppose you can make that case again this year because once again, the best player on the defense or the guy that was supposed to be CJ Mosley is not out there. Avery Williamson is still kind of shaking off the rust. Do you think that's why Greg Williams continues to use him that way way more often than most people thought he would this year and last year? Because it seems like as you said, when they use him as an attacker, he gets in there and he can be dominant. But then a lot of times they just use him to plug up gaps and then you're sitting there wondering why you would use the third overall pick on a guy like that. Yeah. What do you think Greg Williams' thinking is there? Well, it's a tricky position because, uh, you know, you can't just let him do anything he wants because there is mm -hmm. a scheme. There's a, things you're trying to accomplish, uh, you know, from the front level of your defense. Um, you know, I, I think Greg understands that, that he's at his best in, in those situations that we're talking about. But, you know, look, I think he makes the most out of those opportunities. You know, I think progressively as you kind of build this thing and you feel confident about some other guys, then you can let him do some more stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I just think right now it's just a, a matter of you're just not going as deep as you want to go into your bag of, you know, so-called tricks uh, to kind of defend and do the things defensively that you want. So, you know, look, we'll see. I mean, I, I like the progression this year. You know, Quinnen is definitely living up a little bit on his expectations. And, uh, you know, you just got to see that consistent upward rise by him. And if he do that, then, you know, he'll be here for a while. If not, then, you know, again, just like any other guy comes in and doesn't live up to it, you know, you move on. So I, I'm leaning on the high side that he'll continue to get better. And then uh, and as those pieces around him maybe get better, then you'll be good to go. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, of course, that's Coach Adam Gase. 
He's been much maligned, and I would say deservedly so. When you were here, you played for two different head coaches. You played for Al Groh, who your former teammate Marcus Coleman said to me was quote-unquote interesting, and you can expand upon that if you like. And of course, Herm Edwards, who everybody knows is a very lively character, very different from Adam Gase. What do you think is going on here? It just seems like whatever Gase does, he's like King Midas in reverse. Every move he makes just seems to be questionable. Is he outsmarting himself too much? Do you think he's just too stubborn for his own good? Yeah, I mean, look, he's in New York, number one, and you're you're zero and five. I mean, it's just as simple as that. I mean, it could be anybody. I mean, listen, if you're zero and five and you're playing in New York, is any head coach getting high fives? I mean, it's just not happening. I, it, it's really doesn't matter. Now, the problem is, is you know, when he's drawing up stuff the last couple of weeks and it doesn't get executed properly. It, and, you know, you're, you're leaving stuff on the field. Yeah, you start questioning, you know, what can you do? How do you make it right? But there's also a side that, you know, he has to take that responsibility and, you know, and, and make it better and make the situation right and make the team competitive and do what you have to do. But, you know, I see a lot of both. I see a lot of the um, – I see a lot of plays left on the field. I mean, he can't control drop passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can't control inconsistent passing. Uh, you know, he can't control, you know, backs that may or may not be hitting the hole properly or, or uh, you know, linemen that, you know, have the, the block in, in, in play. They get, the, they get the line of scrimmage blocked and one guy doesn't come off to the backer. I mean, this, that, those are things when you don't do them, you lose football games. And when more, more guys do them than others, it's even worse. Now, there's two factors. One, it's you don't have your guys out there. You know, I – I made the analogy, you know, I, I helped coach out a high school football team here in Tampa. And, you know, you don't have a lot of kids on the team. But if your starter goes down at guard or tackle or center and you put the other guy in, you could teach him and tell him exactly what to do and he can listen and all that stuff's great. But sometimes they just – they're not good enough to play at that level and to do it properly or, or they just can't win. I mean, because those guys aren't supposed to be the guys that are doing that. So it's okay if you have one guy coming in Right. And, you know, you work around that. But, you know, you have four guys out or five guys out. I mean, that's, you know, you're talking about hurdles now that, you know, you're almost destined to have a mistake somewhere every snap, which is mind blowing. But it's kind of the truth. I mean, so and then when it's and when it's, you know, and then he puts himself in a situation where, you know, oh, man, like that play was bad. Now it's like it just pours onto the fire. So. You know, look, I, last two weeks, man, I got to be honest with you, the game plan has been pretty good. It's been good enough for me to, to, to win a game. It just, it just, they just left some stuff out there. Early on, maybe, maybe not the greatest of, of uh, things you wanted to see, but, you know, it's just, uh, you know, when you're 0-5, man, every, everything's, everything's kind of up in, in arms. I mean, from the coach, from the players, from the quarterback, uh, and the media, look, the media loves it. When you're winning, man, they're, they're going to perk you up and they're going to make you feel even bigger than you are because they know at some point it comes down. And New York's the best at it because if, if it's going bad, then, man, they, they can make it just miserable. So it's kind of like, okay, what's kind of what you want? What, you know, what, what's the feel? And exactly, you know, you, when you turn it on, like, okay, you know, can, can, can you see enough there? But, but – Sometimes, you know, if, if you're a head coach and you sit with the GM and, you, and, you, and the owner and you, you watch the film and this, this and that, if that happens, we're good here. Look, there's the play. Well, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter uh, if you do that and, and prove that everything's working. Sometimes they just make a change. So I don't know what the future holds for Adam. 
Uh, I want them to be successful. I, I want them to help this team go to a place that they hadn't been, you know, since Rex and, and, and Herm and some of these guys have done when they were there. Um, you know, am I optimistic? Sure. I mean, of course I am. I'd love to see everybody in play. Uh, and I don't know that if he's going to be able to get that chance because ultimately that's, you know, the guys that he signed, the guys that he brought in, the guys that he drafted under his watch are accountable. He's accountable for those guys and, and what they do. And right now, you know, you just don't got a bunch of them out there right now. And, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating for organization and, and ownership. And it's frustrating for the coach because, you know, he knows that, you know, it's just, you know, they, they, they see this stuff and how it unravels each and every week. And um, so, you know, look, the old added, when you lose and you lose a lot, it goes to two people, the head coach, the play caller slash play caller and the quarterback. So, you know, you get the most praise when you win and you get truly the most, you know, put on you in a loss. And, and that's kind of where the Jets are right now. As you said, Anthony, New York can be terrible when you're losing and awesome when you're winning. Hopefully it gets awesome sooner rather than later. Anthony Beck, former 12-year tight end in the NFL, several of those seasons here with the Jets where he was drafted in the first round in that magical 2000 class. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I hope you'll come back soon. Before you go, tell everybody about the multiple podcasts that you've got going on because you've got one that's related to the Jets, one that's related to the Buccaneers, and then you've got another one that's a little bit of everything. Yeah, so you know, one you can follow me at Anthony underscore Beck, B-E-C-H-T, on my Twitter. Uh, you can search me on Instagram, search me on Facebook. I'm on there, uh, as well as YouTube. I do a live uh, sports fantasy gambling podcast every Monday and Thursday, uh, live at 10 a.m. Me and Dan Grassa, who's the, the co-host for the pregame on ESPN, Jets, the Jets radio network on game day. And we talk about all the games, the NFL games. We get into the baseball, basketball, any of the top stories. We just have fun. It's uninterrupted, commercial-free. It's usually about 40 40 minutes to an hour. And we just rap about, you know, all the things that are going on. My opinions, his opinions. We pick. We, you know, we get into some fantasy stuff. And it's just a fun way to kind of get some content out. That's on all my, my, obviously, my platforms, Facebook, YouTube Live, and, of course, Twitter. Uh, I do a Jets podcast, me, directly from me, where I break down the film. I'll, I drop that on Tuesday mornings, and I do a preview to the upcoming game on Friday mornings. And you can find that. It's called Beck's Flight Plan. And that's on all, uh, all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, um, Google Play, all those things. So, and you can go right to my Twitter, and, and all the links are there. Everything is, is there to find. And then, of course, which wouldn't apply to many of your fans, but – I do do a Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast called Walking the Plank. Uh, it's an extension of a weekly segment that I do here on Tampa's 620 WDA sports station where I dive into the same thing. Tuesday mornings, I break down the film and drop the podcast. And then Friday mornings, I talk about the, uh, the upcoming opponent and what to look for and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm doing now. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, They've been good listens. I've got some good reviews. Hopefully your fans that listen to your podcast jump online and can listen to it. I try to do about 25, 30 minutes and just bang it out and, and give them everything that I see on film and, and try to be uh, unbiased as possible and, and, and uh, you know, and say, listen, I mean, there's always hope. There's always something at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, these are some of the things that have to be better. And also highlighting some of the things that are good because even when you're losing, there are some good things going on out there. And I think it's important to read that for certain players 
and make sure they get their due respect if they are doing those things. Make sure that you're following Anthony on all social platforms and listen to all three of his podcasts. Trust me, you'll enjoy all of them. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest, the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.